Okay? I'm glad you're here. Um, I, I don't know why I just want to tell you this, but it, it meant a lot to me yesterday, and, and for some reason uh, I feel like I should share it. So uh, I, I gave a talk uh, yesterday uh, on Shabbos, a place that seemed like a, a long way away. It was... Uh, it actually wasn't. I gave myself a three. Bless you. I gave myself like three hours to make the the walk. It was Yavna in in, in uh, Hancock Park. So I thought it was like way far away, and it turned out to be not not far away at all. So um, and and I'm I'm walking and I'm walking and and the, the the highlight of the entire thing. And and I gave this talk and it was. I guess people liked it. Whatever it was. I you know usually I get. Usually I get about an hour to make a, a, a talk. Like if they, they schedule you, they say, okay, so take this hour, whatever it is. And a lot of times part of that will be question and answers and, and things like that. But this was going to be for third meal. And I was sort of like calculating when, when, how much time is that actually going to be. And I figured, okay, that's probably about 20 minutes. So I thought, okay, how can I sort of like say what I want to say in, in that amount of time? And then, like, right before I went up, I, I checked with the, the rabbi there, just, you know, what, what's the actual slot? And he said, 13 minutes. And I was like, okay, you know, I've got to come up with a completely different thing because nothing fits into 13 minutes. So, anyway, it, it, thank God it went well and everything like that. But, but the best moment um, of, of the whole experience was, as I was walking, there was one stretch of very sunny sidewalk and no one was walking, and there aren't any stores on this particular block. And there was this um, man, you know, in a, in a wheelchair, like a real stripped-down wheelchair. And, uh, and he was rolling himself down the sidewalk, and he looked uh, sort of on the homeless side. And uh, anyway, you know, it was just the two of us on this block. He was coming toward me and I was, so we were walking in other directions but facing each other and I just, I, I wanted to say hello. So I just, you know, just said, hi. And he, his face broke out in this smile and he had one tooth. And, but it was, it was so great to see this man smile. You know, maybe he smiles a lot. I, I don't know. But he wasn't smiling before I said hello. And then I said hello, and he smiled. And he had this, you know, he was like shining. For a moment, he was like just shining. And the whole, the whole, that whole thing was worth it just for that one moment. You know, that was like the best moment of the day for me, you know. So, anyway, I'm not sure why I'm sharing that. But, uh, you know, the... The, the currency of this world is is very deceptive, and a lot of times what you think is cash. There's 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 there's, there's better cash. There's there's deeper cash. There's more la- long lasting cash, and we need all kinds of. We need every combination of cash, but 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 how God values the the different moments of our lives. We have to be really sensitive to, and I know that one of the things that I'm, I'm thinking about in anticipation of tomorrow, like this this trip tomorrow, is really just trying to communicate um, just uh, what what is success, and and try to sensitize people to 
to, to, to be able to define it for themselves. Because success is, um, is a very tricky subject. And what I mean by that is that if you ask a thousand people, do you want to be a success? You will get a thousand yeses. A thousand people will tell you, yes, I want to be a success. So, and then would, what would you give to be a success? Well, I would give almost anything to be a success. All right? And then you say to them, what does it mean to be a success? And they'll start, well, so you just told me you'll give your life to, to, to be this thing that you have no idea what it is? You actually don't have a definition for this thing that you're ready to give your life over to? I, I think that's highly problematic. And, and the, the, the nature of the soul is, the soul also is very tricky. Because the soul is very quiet and the soul is very patient. But the soul is a tough cookie at the same time. You know, don't be fooled by the patience and the, and, and the, and the silence of the soul. Because, you know, you can get X, Y, and Z and, 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 and everyone will tell you that it's success, Right? And, and the, the, they might even write articles about it and everything like that. And by the way, it is a form of success. I'm not saying it isn't success. It is a form of success. But I just want to add an important PS. There's also the success that the soul needs. And it's a different kind of success. It needs to be listened to. It needs to be um, nurtured. And it... And it certainly doesn't need to be ignored or rejected. And the, the interesting dynamic is that it will stay silent for years or maybe even decades. Maybe even decades and decades. But at a certain point, the soul rises up and goes, yo! You know, and then it starts to gnaw and undermine one's feelings about the whole rest of their life. And this is what I mean by the fact that the soul is very patient and very quiet, but it's a real tough cookie. Because at a certain point, it starts to say, what have you done for me, you know? And then it's like a very strange internal dynamic gets formed, because how you're feeling about yourself and how everyone else is viewing you can often at that point be very different pictures. So, so what I'm saying is, is that be... Be very mindful that, um, that success is operating on a number of different levels. And you don't want to be one of those people who later in life, you know, is playing massive catch-up. Because um, that's a difficult situation to be in. Um, having said that, having said that, any moment that a person tunes in is infinitely valuable. And God structured the world in such a way, in such an amazing way, where the past can be rectified in the present. And it's really amazing. This is the, this is the, the, the miraculous dynamic of tshuva. Because normally speaking, time, just if you talk about the physics of time, time just moves in a forward direction. And yet, tshuva allows us to address the past and change the past 
in a way that's miraculous. And if, if you're not familiar with just how, how it works exactly, let me just sketch it out because this is this is really this is really one of the core Jewish concepts. So again, what, what's tshuva? Tshuva is, I, I guess, it would mean to return to to return to the source, to return to God, to be in harmony with God, to be in harmony with yourself, to be in harmony with the universe. Okay, this is and but it's it's called return, and um, and uh, it's a very core concept in in in, in our view of, of the world and uh, of life, and and so the way it works is, I think that. Everyone agree, everyone would agree that you are the sum total of everything you've done and experienced up until this moment. Right? That's who you are. You are the sum total of all of your experiences. Okay. So now imagine I ate a cheeseburger on Yom Kippur. Right? So that's, that's, that's my past, say. Now, let's say the person that I am today is someone who would never eat a cheeseburger or a cheeseburger on Yom Kippur, which is, of course, a fast day. So, so, so the person I am today is someone who would never do that. But let's say I did that in my past. Well, my past led to the person who I am today. So that means in a very strange way that cheeseburger on Yom Kippur contributed to, to who I am today who is someone who wouldn't do such a thing. So, so, so the rabbis say something very amazing which is that if you do tshuva, if you return from a standpoint of yira now yira is translated yira it has two levels. There's Higher level yira and lower level yira. Lower level yira means fear of punishment. So that means like, I want to do the right thing because God, I don't want you to zap me. Okay? By the way, not a terrible way to be. <laughs> I mean, there are higher, deeper, more beautiful ways to be, but that should also be part of the, you know, that shouldn't be the strongest ingredient. I remember I, I once, uh, I bought a book when, when we first got married, uh, there was a book, 365 Recipes for Chicken. And I thought, okay, this is a great, you know, you're building a home. Like, you want to know hundreds of recipes for chicken. That, that's, that seems like an essential book for, like, a happy marriage, you know? So, anyway, one of the recipes was cinnamon chicken. And I didn't have time to, like, well, I guess I had time, but I, I was being, I guess, careless. Or maybe I think I misread it. I think that's what it was. Anyway, the bottom line was, you know what? Maybe a tiny bit of cinnamon and chicken, maybe, maybe a good idea. A lot of cinnamon and chicken, terrible idea. It was absolutely inedible. I, 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 you know, so, so it's like this idea, fear of punishment, you know, it's an ingredient. If it's the only thing that you're tasting, you got to look at the recipe book again because that's not... That's not this love relationship that we're supposed to have. So that, that's the lower level of Yira. The higher level of Yira is, is, is translated in English, usually you see it as awe. What is awe? Awe means that you're, basically your mind is blown by the infinity of God. 
and you're like standing in the king's palace and everything is arranged so beautifully. And the last thing that you want to do is like track muddy footprints in the king's palace because it's like everything is so majestic and beautiful. You don't want to mess anything up. So you're being like very, very careful because you're so like amazed by the grandeur. Okay, so that's, that's the higher level. That's, that's, that's on the spectrum of Euro. So the lower level is fear of punishment, right? Because it's sort of like, you're bigger than I am. Ah, you're going to, you know, crush me. The higher level is, wow, you're so awesome, right? So that's, that's, that's one spectrum. Now, it says that if you do tshuva, if you return from the standpoint of Yira, every mistake that you made in the past turns into an accidental mistake, even if you had done it on purpose. So whatever you did on purpose, like even if you were doing it to be like, someone says, well, really, you're going to have that? That's not kosher. That's not right. And you go, yeah, that's right. I'm going to do it because I don't believe any of that stuff. And I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I call the shots and everything like that. Even if you did it from that standpoint, a defiant standpoint, it was sort of like, that was, you know, that, that, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Didn't mean to do that. Okay, so that's, that's one level of return. But now there's a, a, an even more amazing level of return. Again, we're talking about just the divine mechanics of the flow of time right now and how you can address the past and change the past. So now listen to this. If you do tshuva from the standpoint of ava, ava means love. If you return to God from a standpoint of love of God, Everything that you did wrong in the past turns into a mitzvah. So you actually, that cheeseburger on Yom Kippur actually counts like you did a mitzvah and you're rewarded for that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Because why? Because that cheeseburger on Yom Kippur led to the person who I am today who is embracing God from the standpoint of love. So that's, 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 that, that's, an amazing, that's an amazing thing. And with that in mind, you can understand one of the sort of classic Hasidic stories. I'm sure it's true. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, the Berdichev Rebbe, went to like the, you know, like the, the person in, in, in Berdichev who I guess had a reputation for being, you know, uh, on the lowest level, just he wasn't keeping anything. And, and he... He went up to him and he said, uh, you know, I really envy you. And the guy says, you envy me? Why? And he says, because when you do tshuva, you're going to have so many mitzvahs. <laughs> you know? Like, in other words, you have this massive treasure chest just like sitting there waiting for you. And it's a real thing. That's, this, is a, this is a real thing. So, so... So, so people, people get confused, and the Yetzirah is, is an expert at, at confusing people. Remember, the Yetzirah is translated as, um, as the evil inclination, it's our, our negative inclination, but you have to understand something. The Yetzirah is actually an angel. It's an angel, so it's, you're, you're dealing with, a, it's an unfair fight, and we're told that only with God's help are we able to defeat it. So... So, you know, the idea that you're finally going to be able to eliminate all negativity uh, in terms of your thinking or all bad thoughts 
It's a bit of an illusion. The idea that you're, you're going to be able to slay your Yetzirah, you know, it's, it's a bit of an illusion. It, it doesn't really go away, but, you, but what happens is, is that over time, you master its main tricks. But because it's an angel, it's always coming up with new tricks. <laughs> so you have to be aware of that, you know? So, you know, and, and it's, it's, there are all sorts of dynamics that you have to know about it. But let me tell you one, one, one dynamic, okay? One dynamic is, is what I like to call the, your, the judo flip, where it takes your greatest attribute and turns it against you. It uses it against you. And so this is what I would like to call the, um, the all or nothing lie, right? You see, you see, a lot of times the Yetzirah tells you that if you're not going to do the entire thing, then why bother to do any of it? Because if you don't do the whole thing, listen to the logic. The, the logic of this is so, um, it's so uh, insidious because it's, so you hear the sense that it's making and it's very persuasive as it's completely wrong, okay? Which is the Yetzirah tells you, you know something? Why are you, why do you want to do any of this stuff? Because you, you want to be a person of truth. You want to be a person of truth. So if you're only doing a little of it, that's not the whole thing. So if you're only doing a little bit of it, like if you're lighting Shabbos candles and then, you know, jumping in your car and going to the movies, right? Isn't that a, isn't that a lie? Right? Like, why should you even light Shabbos candles? Because, because that is, that is you're, you're, you're testifying against yourself, really, aren't you? And, and worse, you're being a hypocrite. And aren't you really supposed to be a person of truth? So you say to yourself, yes, you know something? I, I am, you're right, I am a person of truth. I won't light Shabbos candles. <laughs> Did you, did you hear that? How seamless that was? So the, so the Yetzirah, in the, in the name of truth, which you're trying to dedicate yourself to, got you not to do a mitzvah, got you not to light Shabbos candles. So, so it's, you know, you're putting on to fill in what? Once, uh, who knows what? Like, so why do it at all if you're not going to do it every day? Because otherwise it's a lie. No, but it, but, but it, no, no, because a, a, a little is also something. You know, my dad used to say that uh, a little of a lot is still a lot. <laughs> you know, if every mitzvah is infinite, and even if you have part of the mitzvah, maybe you didn't even get the whole mitzvah, but even if you have part of a mitzvah, that's still tapping into infinity. Like, imagine if you have, like, a string, like a spool, and the thread is actually made out of infinity. Okay? And then you just snip a tiny piece off. Well, that little piece is still infinite. Because the whole spool is infinite. So even a little piece from the, from the long spool is infinite. So even the, the candle lighting, even if it's followed by nothing else, that's still grasping onto the infinite. So let me give you another way of just visualizing this. Imagine there's a homeless person lying on the street. And you look at this guy and he's hungry. And, you, and you, your heart goes out to him. And you say to yourself, you know, 
this guy, he really deserves a, a, a meal. And you know what? When's the last time you think he had a good meal? And then you say, I don't know. You know, like what? I, I mean, in the best case, you know, I, I would actually like to buy this guy a steak dinner. That would be really nice. And then you reach into your pocket and you have $2. And you say to yourself, $2 can't buy him a steak dinner. So you walk on <laughs> and you give him nothing. Like, does that make any sense? Two bucks. He can do something with two dollars. can do a bunch with two dollars. So, so the soul says, yes, you say to your soul, oh, you deserve a steak dinner. But I'm not going to give you anything. Because <laughs> I'm not in a place to give you a steak. Like the soul says, hey, I'm hungry. Give me something. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a steak, you know? So... So that's, that's, that we have to be mindful. So let me just take this to the Garden of Eden for a moment, to go back for a moment, because there's a very famous question that's asked, and people wrestle with this, with this problem, which is that how could Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, have eaten from the tree of knowledge? And let me make the question a little bit stronger even before we try to give an answer, okay? By the way, there are a lot of answers to this. I just... I'm going to throw out a new answer. But there, there's a whole body of literature on this question you should know. Um, so how could, they, how could they have made a mistake? Now remember, Adam and Chava, when they were first created, were, were like creatures of light. Okay? L-I-G-H-T. Like, like one of the things... In fact, I just heard a great teaching, and I added to it slightly, but i got to share this with you. Um, well, let's just finish this thought first, and it's going to come back in a moment. One of the things that we do when we finish Shabbos, we, we make Havdalah. And, and one of the things that you're supposed to do is with the Havdalah candle, you're supposed to see the reflection of light off your fingernails. And one of the teachings that they say is that, that the skin of Adam, the, all the skin covering his body, was like, was like this texture of the fingernail. So in other words, he had a physicality to him, but it was like a very... It was, it was a much less... Um, Material, it was less, much, there was much less materialism in terms of our makeup. It was really like we were like creatures of light. And there was a type of skin, but it wasn't like this fleshy kind of skin. Okay? And it's, it talks about how Adam was towered above the ground and how he was able to see from one side of the world to the other and how he was able also to see all of the generations that were going to exist. So in other words, here's this creature which is barely physical and is also seen through space and through time. Okay, this is all before eating from the tree of knowledge. In other words, there's a whole other kind of dynamic going on. So how could this creature have gone against God's will when clearly his comprehension of godliness must have been so intense, right? And like seeing God so clearly. So, so I want to suggest using this teaching that we've been working on up until now, this whole judo flip of the Yetzirah, that the Yetzirah actually, I think, on some level, used our greatest, our greatest strength at that moment in, in history against us. Meaning to say, there was God, like, you know, of course, God is infinite and he's not physical, but whatever one can grasp of, 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 of Hashem he, he was grasping it on a, on a tremendous 
quantumly higher level than, than we are right now. And, and the snake says to Eve, if you eat from the tree, you're going to be God too. So think about it. Our greatest strength was that we were seeing God so clearly. It was like we were like our face, like if you if you if you if you uh, our face was like right up against it, if you will, like you know, like our face was like looking right in the in the through the window, like right there, and it's sort of like I can have that too. So 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 I can be that. In other words, our our closeness to it made us think, well, why not? Why shouldn't it be me too? So our greatest strength was used against us. In other words, our our ability to grasp this amazing vastness of God or an aspect of it, you know, was used against us because we thought, yeah, it's just right there for me to be too. But that's crossing a big line because God is God and we're us and we're within godliness. Godliness saturates all of creation, including us. What are our souls but a piece of God? We're within godliness, but we're not God. God is God. You know, so there's that line that gets crossed. And, and, and that was the problem. And so, so there you see a, a, another example of how sometimes, you know, one's strength can, can be used against one. So, so we, have to be, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Um... You know, while we're on the subject, I, I, I saw another teaching this week that I thought was very beautiful, and, um, and it's on this subject, so let's continue with it. So this is from the Magalia Mukos. Magalia Mukos, again, is, is one of our, the, the name itself, that's the name of his sefer. He was the chief rabbi of Krakow in like around the 1600s, and one of the greatest, deepest Torah commentators. And the Magalia Mukos means the revealer of the depths. And it, say, it says on his tombstone, and I imagine in Krakow in the 1600s, they weren't just writing these things, it said uh, he was visited by Eliyahu Hanavi many times. So he's really one of the deepest and greatest. And he points to something very interesting. He says, what, what, was, what was the main thing that went wrong in the Garden of Eden? So... Chava, Eve, remember, she's the one who eats for the first time. So it says that she did an action. Her, her, her breach was in the realm of action, in the realm of doing. Okay? And he points to the fact that Hashem says to them, what have you done? And done means doing. So, in other words, it was a problem in, 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 in action. Then, what was the problem of Adam? Adam listened to Chava. So, his was in the realm of listening. And again, Hashem says to Adam, because you listened to your wife, meaning that his flaw was in the area of listening. Now, listen to this. We have a classic teaching, but now you, you'll be able to appreciate it in, in an entirely different way. So the Magalia, the Magalia Mukos brings from the Zohar Chadash. So, I mean, let's just take a moment to appreciate where we are right now. We have the Magalia Mukos, 
drawing from the Zohar now, right? These are, you can just thank God that you're alive right now, <laughs> you know, just even if you don't like the teaching that you're about to hear, you know, just the fact that you're hearing the Magalia Mukos draw from the Zohar Chadash, that, that was worth waking up for today, you know? So, so he says, with this in mind, you can now understand on a whole other level the, the words that we said at Mount Sinai. Because remember, it says in the Gomorrah and Shabbos that when we got to Mount Sinai and accepted the Torah, that this cleansed us of the spiritual poison that the snake put in us in the Garden of Eden when we, when we accepted the Torah at Mount Sinai. And what was the crowning moment of us accepting the Torah at Mount Sinai? When we said, Nase v'nishma, which means we will do and we will hear. We will do and we will listen. Now look how that's a rectification of the Garden of Eden dynamic. Because Chava was in the action of doing, and we said, we will do. And Adam was in the area of listening, and we said, and we will hear. We will listen. So here you see, the chills, here you see at Mount Sinai how the exact dynamic was rectified from the Garden of Eden. Amazing, an amazing teaching. Um, so, so I want to I want to get back again to this idea of the Yetzirah and some of the lies that it tells us and um, you know I, 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 I saw something in in, uh, in English and I, I don't my, my point is not to, to point out something that I feel was incorrect. It's that so I'm not I'm not I'm not being um, uh, a jerk right now. I hope, but <laughs> but but I want to just point you to this thing because I thought that this is the type of thing that actually it actually confuses people in a very terrible way. And I just felt like this was like a a, a real example of it. So 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 I'm 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 learning a little bit uh, once a week with some people at Derech Hashem which is one of the great books, classic books by the Ramchal, right? Um, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lusato. He was a great uh, Italian Torah master, you know, from, I guess, I think the 1700s, maybe the 1600s. But anyway, so so in Derech Hashem, The Path of God, which is an amazing book, it sort of like systematically lays out Judaism. Um, so I'm working in the English translation, and in this group that I'm, 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 I'm in, someone has a later English transla- translation than this one, okay? And they were, so, so there's a new translation out. So we don't all have the same English translation. So in this English translation, it says that basically if one does, you know, if one, I'm paraphrasing, if someone sort of like, uh, you know, re- rejects the needs of their soul, I don't know what it was, something like this, then they become divorced from God. And it's like, wow, divorced from God. That seems really heavy, you know? And, 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 and in fact, the later English edition changed that word, got rid of that word. And the Hebrew is some version of nidche, which just means pushed. Because... You can't get divorced from God. That's the point. 
It doesn't exist. Wherever you are, He is, and wherever He is, you are, you, you know, you, you're never without Him and He's never without you. It doesn't, there's no such concept. And, and you know, and again, you know, there, I, I'm, not, I'm not judging the book. I mean, the, the book, I'm sure, has, has helped tremendous numbers of people. But, but there are certain concepts that, that the Yetzirah wants to tell us that, that somehow one can become lost or one can become detached. And you can't be lost and you can't be detached. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Wherever you are, even if you slide to a place that you go, I can't even believe I'm in this low place. What's become of me? You know, oh, how about what's become of us? Oh, hi, God. (laughs) You're right there. I didn't know you were right there. So, So we have to live with this. We have to live with this. Because then life becomes a different experience. And uh, and 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 we can't. You see, one of the one of the uh, Achilles heels of a human being is this um, feeling of being alone, and that no one understands me, and uh, and I'm all alone. And when someone feels like they're all alone then they're subject to doing who knows what. You know? So that's why I'm trying to emphasize this concept so much, because you're never alone. You're never, ever, 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 ever alone. Ever. 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 Really. Ever. And, you know, one of the classic teachings from the Slonim Rebbe, I heard it from Reb Shlomo, is that Amalek, who symbolizes the, really the forces of evil. Amalek, it says, attacked us in the desert. That We know that we were sort of, after the Red Sea split, we were marching and journeying toward Israel, and all of a sudden this nation who had really no connection to us just starts trying to kill us. And so it says, the language in the Torah is that Amalek attacked you, and he uses the, the word in the singular. So the the thing is, it should be in the plural, because it was an army attacking us as a people. So it should be attacked us in the plural. But it says attacked you in the singular. And so the Slonimer Rebbe explains that that's how Amalek works. It tries to tell you that you're all alone. And it's only you. It's only you. And, you know, no one cares. No one understands you. By the way, in life, a lot of people be mis- can be, feel misunderstood. But oftentimes, just other people just disagree. <laughs> it's like, no, you didn't hear me at all. No, no, no. I'm going to repeat back exactly what you just said. Oh, yeah, that is what I just said. So then why don't you, why aren't you doing that? Because I disagree. <laughs> so be mindful also of the difference in your life when you're feeling very alone, if you're feeling alone ever, is it that I'm really alone or is it that people just disagree? And if people disagree, allow yourself 
to consider whether they may be right. Because they, in fact, may be right. You know? You know, I was talking to someone who is really, like, trying to work on himself a lot and really just trying to be the best possible person he can be. And um, I said something, and he just, like, was all over me, just uh, disagreeing and everything like that. And then I think we looked it up, and I think that he was wrong. And then he was like, why do I do that? Why, if someone disagrees with me, do I, am I, like, all over them? Like, how can I fix that. So we, it was like a really beautiful conversation. So we were like brainstorming on how to maybe fix that. So I said to him, you know, I don't know if this was good advice, but I said to him, listen, you love to learn new things, don't you? And he's like, yeah. I said, you got like a real thirst for knowledge and information. He goes, absolutely. And it's true. I know him. He wants to know everything and anything he can. So I said, next time someone disagrees with you, approach it like, this is fascinating. What is that other person thinking? I have a chance to maybe learn something. That doesn't mean that he's going to agree with the other person, but it's sort of like, it's like this is kind of the good type of judo flip, (laughs) where it's sort of like, I want to know, what are you thinking? You know, and then who knows, maybe the person will end up actually agreeing with that other person, or at least it will eliminate this this fiery moment of, uh, of disagreement. You know what I mean? Which doesn't have to take place. You know what I mean? Remember, always, always have in mind the classic teaching of the Kutzka Rebbe, which is that when you meet another person who doesn't look like you, you're not surprised. So why are you so, so surprised when you meet another person who doesn't think like you? Right? That's, you always have to have that one in mind, you know? Because, and, and that's part of the, the richness of this world, you know? It, it is, just that we have different points of view. You know, Rip Shlomo Karlovach would say many, many times that shalom, peace, doesn't mean that everyone is, an in, is thinking the same thought. It just means that we're, you know, we're getting along while we're not thinking the same thought. Now, hopefully we're all kind of in tune with the Torah and with God's will and everything like that. That's the ultimate peace. But meanwhile, being at peace with you doesn't mean necessarily making sure you think everything that I think. Because that's not real peace, you know? So it's okay, you know? People can have different opinions. That's not, that's not scary or bad. So, so I want to I share with you something that I saw, that I noticed. And um, it's, it's a question that I want to raise. Because we're talking about now Yitzchak Avinu. And Yitzchak, Isaac is, of course, the next generation after, after Avraham. And, you know, the, his birth is actually a miraculous birth because it says that, you know, Sarah had him when she was 90 years old. Avraham was 100 years old when he was born. And... Um, Really, they say that Avram and Sarah couldn't have children. Beyond the fact that they were very old, they say just uh, f- physically, they, they just they weren't able to have children. So, so, so it's really miraculous. And, and Yitzchak, you actually see the story of Yitzchak's name in his life. By the way, God named Yitzchak Yitzchak. They said, you're going to name him Yitzchak. And you see, you see that every letter of Yitzchak's name 
points to a different event in his life. So the way you spell Yitzchak is Yud, Tzadi, Ches, Kuf. Now look at this in numbers. Yud is the number 10. The 10th test of Abraham was the Akedas Yitzchak. It was the, the putting Yitzchak on the altar. Okay, so the Yud is the 10th test. The Akedah, that's Yitzchak. Akedas Yitzchak, it's called. The Tzadi, Tzadi is, is, the, is the number 90. That's how old his mother was when he was born. The next letter, Ches, is 8. He was the first person ever to be circumcised on the 8th day. And the last letter, Kuf, is 100. That's how old Avraham was when Yitzchak was born. So you see that, and God named him. So you see, you see every letter of Yitzchak points to a different aspect of his life. So, so you know, with that in mind, I'll just tell you just a little digression that happened to me this week, just a, a, a special moment. You now, we always talk about, uh, you want to see God in the moment, ideally, and just see his hand at work. So I, I, I mentioned to you, I'm learning this safer um, from the Jikover Rebbe. This is called the... Um, the Imre Noam, and a uh, very great Hasidic master, and he's especially amazing with numbers and things like this. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning it in the morning a little bit, and um, I was learning it on the phone, uh, uh, and uh, my, my son, Mendy, was in the car. And usually I drop him off, and then, and then I'll learn in the car on my way to actually learning in the kola. So, um, so, so Mendy, usually we begin learning after I drop the kids off. So the previous day, we had started learning a little bit. And the ki- Mendy was still in the car, Ty was in the car. So I thought, okay, we're starting a little bit early. Maybe if the kids hear this, maybe, maybe they'll like it or maybe it won't be so bad, whatever it is. So, so we're learning it. I'm learning it while they're... While, while they're in the car. And there was actually a great moment where Mendy, he's 12 now, and just, you know, he's hearing all these numbers and everything like that. It's like, it's, it's very dense and very intense, this, this, this uh, book. And in the middle of it, he just turns to me while I'm driving. He's in the front seat and he just says, Jikover? <laughs> so it's just like, oh, I was so proud of him, you know? It's like, wow, all right. And so I was like, yeah. So... So, so then the next day, the call came in earlier. We were running late, I think. And, and so I thought, you know something, he kind of liked it yesterday. So, you know, maybe we'll just start it while he's in the car. So we, we start learning. And, uh, and I'll just give you the, the tiniest piece. This is actually from a much longer teaching, okay? But this is just the tiniest piece from it. So by, by the Akedas Yitzchak, when Avraham puts Yitzchak on the altar, right? Avraham lifts up the knife and he hears uh, Hashem say, well, it's an angel, but Hashem is obviously saying it through an angel. Um, Avraham, Avraham. Right? And by the way, there's a great teaching that I heard from Reb Shlomo on this, that how do you know that Avraham did this besimcha, that he was like totally just connected in a place of joy, right? Because one of the famous preconditions of prophecy is that you have to be in a state of joy. So he would not have been able to hear 
the words Avraham, Avraham, unless he was in this state of joy. And of course, we know that from the Hasidic point of view, that we, when, we, when we emphasize simcha, and you talk about like the happy minion or simcha or joy or all these things, there are a lot of people who don't understand that we're not just talking about, you know, being a simp with a smile on your face. Like, that's not the point. The point is, is that happiness and, 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 and simcha, joy, is actually expands your consciousness. And from this place of expanded consciousness, you're able to grasp so much more. You know, because just think when you're angry, why are you angry? Because you're focusing on that one thing. Why is he doing that? Why is he saying that? And that's all just narrowing. That's all tunnel vision. It collapses the mind. And joy has the opposite effect. It expands the mind. By the way, that's why when Yitzchak, staying on the subject of Yitzchak, when he says to, he's about to give over the blessing, he's about to pass the mantle, like basically the conduit for divine flow to the next generation. Like who's going to get that? That which started with Abraham, that whoever you bless is blessed, whoever you curse is cursed, and all the nations of the world are going to benefit from you, right? Abraham gives that to Yitzchak. Yitzchak is about to pass that to Esav, right? Because, okay, that's a whole, it's a whole uh, study in itself. But what does he say to Esav? Go and get me my favorite food. Make for me my favorite dish. So, wait a second. They were talking about the, 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 the greatest lions of spirituality that have ever lived. He, he's he, all of a sudden he's ordering he's ordering takeout, right? It's like before this moment, no, he wanted to put himself in this place of joy, right? And this was just one of the elements how he was preparing for this level of expanded consciousness. That's what that's what was going on. Okay, so so anyway, um, so so Abraham. So you hear the words, Avraham, Avraham. And then he's told not to do this because the test was not to kill Yitzchak and God wasn't changing his mind, God forbid. The test was, was Avraham willing to, to do this? That's all. Of course, God understood that Avraham would misunderstand, but that was the nature of the test. But it was never that, God, that, that Avraham should slay Yitzchak and it's don't think that God changed his mind because that was never the intent for him to kill him. And if you look at the language of the test, it was just to put him on the altar, which he did. So, so anyway. But anyway, back to the Jikover. So the Jikover says, how many words are in the... How many, what's the numerical value of the name Avraham? It's 248. And how many words are there in the Shema? 248. Okay, now we have a commandment. It says in the Torah, you, sh- you should say the Shema every morning and every night. Okay, that's, that's the Shachrit prayer and the Marit prayer. Say it in the morning, say it at night. So the two Avrahams, because Avraham is 248, and, you're so- and Shema is 248, and you're supposed to say the Shema in the morning and the Shema at night, you're supposed to say it twice. So that's Avraham, Avraham. Okay, amazing, <laughs> an amazing idea. I mean, this is, by the way, this is like one line in the Jikover, right? This is just like, maybe that may even be half a line in the Jikover, okay? So, so, so now he's going to the next teacher. 
And he says, now remember, you have all these different systems, because remember, the Torah is the infinite, compressed into the finite. So you have dozens of different systems of how to extract the truth from the Torah. And of course, really, you have to be a master to know how to do it properly, even if you know the different methodologies. But for us, it's good to just be familiar with some of the methodologies, you know? So the first letter of every word is the, is the, is the essence of that word. The headquarters of the word is the first letter. Actually, the last letter of a word also has a certain spiritual importance. I heard from Rabbi uh, Wolfson that the last letter of the word is sort of the headquarters of din, of that aspect of judgment in a word. Whereas the first letter of the word is more on the side of chesed. Okay? So, but that's a separate teaching. That's a separate teaching. So you should just know the first and last letters of a word have have spiritual import, but the every letter does, by the way, but the, the headquarters of the word, so to speak, is the first letter of the word, okay? So, 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 let me now, so we're going to look at Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad in a moment, because the Jikover was just saying, was just talking about the Shema, right? Avraham, Avraham, right? That's the Shema in the morning, Shema at night, okay. So uh, uh, when Judy was pregnant, my wife Judy was pregnant, she had a dream that she should name the child uh, Menachem Mendel. And she's a descendant of the Kutzka Rebbe, and the Kutzka Rebbe's name was Menachem Mendel. So, so we were thinking, you know, that's a very religious name to name our kid, you know? <laughs> I don't know if I was ready to name my kid Menachem Mendel. That's like a little <laughs> hardcore, you know? So, I mean, I went to PS 87 and IS 44, you know? It's like Menachem Mendel. I don't know if I'm ready, you know? So, and I remember it's like, it's like I went to, uh, we went to see this Rebbe who was in town at the time. He was the Nicholsburg Rebbe. And he had a, you know, a long beard and a strimal and a, you know, one of those capotas. And he was like a real Hasidic looking Hasidic Rebbe. And we said to him, like, very tentatively, you know, we're thinking about naming our son Menachem Mendel. And he's like, what's wrong with Menachem Mendel? You know, like, and it's like, probably that wasn't, like, the most impartial person to ask. You know, it's like, you know, we really take a, <laughs> you want to take the temperature of the room, you know, you're really going to. But anyway, so we, 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 we did name him uh, Menachem Mendel. And after, after the Kutzka Rebbe, and amazingly, listen to this, the, the naming was on, the naming is at the bris, so the bris slash the naming was on the yurt site of the Kutzka Rebbe. Amazing, amazing, you know? So, um, so anyway, so later we realized that the name Menachem Mendel is the Gematria 332. And our address is 332. (laughs) And he's the first kid born at that address. Okay, so now Mendy, normally I don't learn, do this shear while the kids are in the car, but because he had heard it the other day and seemed to like it because Mendy likes numbers also, so I thought, okay, let's just keep on going. So he picks up, Rally smiles, who I'm learning with, picks up and he says, he says, uh, okay, so the Jikover now turns to Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, and he's taking the first letter of, of that phrase and and adding it up and it's it's the Gamatria 332. 
And Wendy's sitting there, you know, Wendy usually isn't part of the, this, these teachings, and he's, he hears it, and we're like, amazing, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then he's about to be bar mitzvahed, and then Rabbi Smiles said, you know, the first mitzvah of a bar mitzvah boy is to say Shema. That's the first mitzvah that you have, is, is that you're, you have to say it in the time that's, you know, that's the time in the day that's, that's ordered, you know. So then I drop off the kids, and I'm still learning, and I'm at a red light, and I look at the license plate in front of me, and it says 332. <laughs> I said, Rabbi Smiles, you're not going to believe this. He says, take a picture. So I took a picture. I had a, a picture of him. Then, this is, okay, really, but I'm just telling you what happened a little bit later. A little bit later in that day, this is a little bit stranger, but you just have to go with me, okay? Which is that, you have to understand, I absolutely wasn't looking at my fingers at the time. That's what you have to understand, okay? So I have, uh, when, when I get a call, it goes on the, kind of the speaker in the car automatically okay so then um, when the call ends it goes back to the radio okay so I'm sure that's, that's not a fancy system I think that's pretty standard so so you hang up the phone and it goes back to the to the to the song on whatever's playing on the radio so that happened and then I'm driving and obviously I'm watching the road and I'm like oh, I don't like this song so I I I'm trying to change the station. I have preset stations. So I'm like hitting keys and I'm trying to change the station. But what I forgot was that if you want to go back to radio mode, you have to hit exit, exit. That, that hangs up the phone mode, right? Otherwise they think you're just dialing a number. Is that clear? So while I was trying to press the numbers to change the radio station, the, 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 the machine thought that I was dialing a number. So I'm getting annoyed because I'm hitting it. I hit it three times. <laughs> and I'm annoyed because it's not changing it. And then I look to see what's wrong, and I see without, I'm promising you, without looking, I've typed in the numbers 332. <laughs> And I took a picture of that too, by the way. <laughs> and so, if you remember, I think we talked about it last week. If you remember, what, what do you have to do? Who remembers? In one word, what do you have to do when that happens? Pray. You've got to pray. Because that means the gates are open. It means the gates are open. Because God, so to speak, is going out of His way to show you that He's close. So if God is going out of his way to show you that he's close, you've got to take advantage of that moment and you have to pray. And remember, you always have to have your list. You have to have your list. Everyone has to have a list with them. It's very important. You have to know. You have to have people for health. You've got to have a whole line of names for health. You've got to have a whole line of names for people who want to get married. A whole line of names for people who want to have kids. A whole line of names for people who need a job. And uh, and you know, you pray for your learning and also for Mashiach. Okay? That's six categories. You've got to have that because that's, that means that you're spiritually alive. You know? That's, that's, that's important. You've got you to gotta do that. Right? And anytime you cry, by the way, anytime you cry, 
Even if you're crying because, you know, you're sad, it has nothing to do with anything spiritual. If you're crying, you got to use your tears to also pray for everybody else. <laughs> because it says that, that sometimes the gates of prayer are closed, but it says that tears open up the gates of prayer. Right? But it's got to be... So, so, so this is actually a very important thing that I'm telling you right now. Sometimes they say, well, what kind of tears? Because if a person is just crying because they just feel completely desolate, there's the, the crying, which is a, a, an expression of yearning, and then there's a crying, which is a crying of giving up, right? So if you can think of in that moment, and I know it's not that, that easy because a person is very consumed with emotion at that moment, but if they are crying tears of giving up, if you can start to think about other people at that moment, you'll transform your tears into tears of yearning. And those will open up gates, not just for these people, but for yourself as well. So, um, I just... Okay, so we'll stop here. Yeah. Yeah.